0: Good morning. Good afternoon, everybody. How's everybody doing today? You know, I learned something very, very profound today. Now, you have to understand this last month and some change has been very, very, very critical. A lot's been taking place in the United States. Lots been taking place around the world. Now, for those of y'all who don't know what's been going on or if you had your head under a rock for quite some time, let me kind of get you up to speed real quick. Now, as you already know, we've already had suffered some very big losses in our community with the deaths of Ahmad Arbery, with the death of Breonna um, Taylor, with the death, of course, of George Floyd, which has made the news. And, of course, now you can add another name to that list, Rayshard Brooks, who was killed in Atlanta last week. And oh, how our people have responded. How America, how the world has responded. Marches, prayer rallies. uh, People have come together of all walks of life in all places. All over the United States of America, from Seattle all the way to the coast of Maine. People have marched, people have prayed, people have spoken out. People have said Black Lives Matter. Which is something that is not only necessary in this country now, but is needed. Um, We've heard from the other side that all lives matter, that blue lives matter. We've heard that side, too. And people have responded, marches. And sad to say, there have been people that have done the other thing, riots and burning and looting, which I don't condone. I don't condone those things. I don't uh, believe that those things are useful in this time. Martin Luther King Jr. said, however, that the riot is the voice of the unheard. I believe that. I do believe that. And when people are pushed to that extreme, when they push that corner, then yeah, they're going to do those type of things. They're not right. I don't, again, I don't condone those type of actions, but when you're pushed to that to that edge, you, you literally have no choice. But here's the crazy thing. Even around the world in London and Paris, and even in parts of Africa, people have marched because they know that racism is not just America's problem, it's a worldwide problem. Because it's not just black folks in the United States that are being targeted by racist police and racist politicians and racist folks, period. It's a worldwide problem. It's been a worldwide problem for quite some time. And while some countries have handled their racism and some countries have even nullified it, America still is yet to deal with theirs, which is why these marches and these dialogues that you're hearing all this time are quite necessary. Now I saw something today that blew my mind. It literally did. There was a, uh, educated by the name of Dr. Claude Anderson, uh, who spoke on how to end systemic racism in America. And he brought up some of the great points about this. And he broke down five pillars of how to break racism, how black Americans can break down racism. Now I'm going to talk about a couple of these points in particular in future posts. but let me give you the five pillars. He said, the first pillar that he said is economics. And I think this is the most important one. The second pillar of that is politicians. Okay. Who do we have in office representing our communities? The third pillar, of course, is our court system, which, of course, includes our law enforcement. This is a big, big topic in America today and has been for quite some time. Then the fourth pillar is, of course, the media. You know, who's giving who's giving you your information? Who's giving you your news? And then the fifth and final pillar is education. Now, all these pillars are important to uh, economic growth in our community you know Malcolm X said it like this the things that help a, a community i think it was either Malcolm X or Louis Spiritcon kind of that said this there are three things there are four things that, that a black that black folks need in their community to be a strong community they need a bank they need a supermarket they need an educational system and they need their own they need to own property in there which said to say we don't own any of those things which is the easy, The reason why the black dollar lasts only six hours in their community. While as the average white dollar lasts upwards of 46 days, there's a reason for that. Because if you don't have banks to put your money in, if you don't have supermarkets to shop, if you don't have businesses in our communities, then of course your money is going to go. And the thing is I, I could use two examples to prove this point. Look at all of our churches, our, our religious institutions, did you know that the, that on average the black the black church raises anywhere between three to five million dollars a week in tithes and offerings? Three to five million dollars a week—that's a lot of money. Has anybody really thought about the magnitude of how much money that we as black Christian people give to our churches every week? And plebe people, there have been people that have been faithfully giving for years to their pastors, faithfully given to their churches. Have you really ever thought about where that money goes? Do you really think that that money helps to benefit and uh, build up our communities? The sad answer to that is no. Because like I said, we don't own any banking systems. Without a banking system, guess where your money's going? Your bank, your money's going to Bank of America. Your bank is going to Chase. Your money's going to Wachovia. Your bank, your money's going to Comerica or any of the other white instant-owned banks in this country guess what they're going to do with your, with, with your black dollars? They're not going to take that money and funnel it back to the black community to help build black things. No. Once that Once your black money goes in that white bank, guess where that money's going? It's going to help white things. Which is why our communities are no better off now than they were in the 1970s. They're no better. Okay? Our streets are still raggedy. We still have ghettos. You know, crime and and you think all them beautiful black churches, we got crack, what surrounds them beautiful black churches, crack houses, uh, drug dens, prostitution. And the sad part is our cities and communities, they don't care because the problem with us is we don't vote. We don't speak out. We don't say anything. All we do is march and protest. We don't do, and so I'm not, and please don't get me wrong, I'm not saying the protest and the marching is not needed. It is needed because it's a First Amendment right that's protected by our Constitution. We have the right to do these things. But after you march, then what? After you protest, then what? You know, what do you do? Do you go back home and watch Maury and just let things go slide on like they've been sliding on till the next black person gets killed? And then you repeat the process and cycle again? I've in my time, I've learned one very valuable thing. And actually how I learned it was from a a, a a segment that Chris Rock did. And it goes a little something like this. Chris Rock was on his way to Hollywood to do a concert, to do a show. And on the way to that show, his the tire on his car got went flat. And so he's trying to pull, he pulls the car over to the side because he has a little girl with him at the time. And I think his wife was with him also. But he pulls the car over to the side and he starts to try to chain the tire on the car. And he starts flagging people down. And people, you know, he, he, we're talking about Chris Rock. You know, we're talking about a famous comedian, famous actor. And he's flagging, trying to flag people down. And nobody, they just pass him on by. Every time he tries to flag somebody down, they pass him, He they get this passing by. So the Chris, so Chris finally just said to hell with it. I'm gonna try to fix my own damn tire. So he gets out the tools, he gets out the jack and all the other stuff, and he starts trying to repair his tire. The moment he starts doing that, people start pulling over. They help him move his car to the side. They jack the car up for him. They help him get the tire on, and very soon he's on his way to the show. The very the lesson I learned from it was simply this: as long as you got your hands out begging. People, very few people are going to be willing to want to help you. But when you're willing to put your hands to the grindstone, when you're willing to go out there and do that grunt work, people are well, more willing to help you than you out there begging on the streets. But here's, that's the problem with the black. People. We've been begging and pleading for decades. I think it's time for the begging and pleading to stop, you know, time out for begging. We've had enough begging, you know, think, we're not the temptations. We're not key sweat. We need to quit begging. If they don't want to help us, then we need to help ourselves. We need to work together. And that's something that helped other communities, and we need to take learn from that. We could learn from what the Hispanic community has done over the years. The Hispanic community has become a stronger community because they learned how to work together. They learn how to put their agendas and personal differences aside and work together for the common goal. Which is why you can see 20 Hispanic people in one house. Everybody gets alone. They may not like each other, but guess what? Everybody gets alone. They may have two cars between them, but to guarantee you, you can have a house with two cars, and 20 people, including nine children. I guarantee you all the men that are working, going to go to work. All the women at work, they going to get to work. All the kids going to get to school. Everybody going to get fed. All the clothes going to be washed. Those who can't work or don't have jobs, they're going to maintain the house. Make sure the house is clean. Make sure there's food on the table. Make sure that they got lunches and everything that they need. All the bills are going to be paid, so they ain't got to worry about anything. If they need to go get their kids to the, to the medical center to go get teeth done or whatever, they, it's going to get done. And guess what? Them two cars within a year or two are going to be four cars, then six cars. Then they're going to buy the house next to them and they're going to repeat the process again. And that's how the Hispanic community got larger and became more powerful because they learned the power of collective unity. And that's what we as a black nation have to do. And I've said this before, and I'm going to keep on saying it. It don't matter who's in the White House until we clean our house first. Who cares who's in the White House? It don't matter if they're Democrat, it don't matter if they're Republican, it don't matter if they're Independent, Green Party, Blue Party, whatever. Ain't nobody going to help us better than the good Lord and ourselves. Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this to say that we need to hate white people or any other people. I'm not advocating hatred. What I am advocating is unification. What I am advocating is helping each other and building each other up because we can't be a force to be reckoned with if we got infighting within each, within ourselves. So, again, Dr. Claude Anderson explained five pillars, or floors as he called them, to build the house of the, what we call the black community. The first floor of course was economics. The second floor, again, was of course our politicians. The third of course is our court system, which includes our law enforcement. The fourth is the media and the fifth is education. Now, I'm not going to I'm going to talk about the first two now and I'll deal with the last three pillars of the house later in another post. So let's start with that first post. The first post, of course, is economics, which is where we struggle with tremendously. Again, you can tell a community by who owns the stuff in their community. I've said this before. You can go to a white community and I guarantee you white folks own the things in their community. They own the homes in their community. They own the businesses in their community. There's very few outsiders that are within their community. If there are outsiders, I guarantee you those outsiders cater to them. You go to Hispanic community. You know, the Hispanic people own their homes. The Hispanic people have influence in their community. They own the businesses in that community. If there are outsiders in the Hispanic community, I guarantee you they speak in Spanish. I've seen it. I know that it's true because I've heard it with my own two eyes. You know, with my two ears and seen it with my two eyes. How many Vietnamese people do you know that can speak fluent Spanish, perfect Spanish? But I guarantee you that's what's going on if they're going to have a business there. Jewish community, same thing. Uh, Pakistani, Indian community, same thing. You go to the average black hood, think about it. Who owns all the gas stations and the liquor stores? Mostly Pakistanis and Indians and, uh, and some Asian people. Who owns all the beauty shops and beauty salons? Mo- all Asian people. Who owns all the property? Jewish and white people. Who own the banks? Same thing. We don't own anything for most of us. We don't even own the clothes we got on our backs. All that belongs to somebody else, which is why they can literally ignore our community. Potholes and abandoned houses and drug stuff. You know, they just let us kill each other and destroy each other. And then here come the police and the law enforcement to come clean the mess up. The key to it is we got to start, you know, and this is the thing. And I've said this before too, and people didn't like it, but it's the truth. Integration was probably the worst thing that could have ever happened to the black, to the black community, because once we once we were able to go to any community we wanted to do, to go any school we wanted to go to, guess what? We abandoned our stuff. We were just so happy to be on their team. We rushed to go to them. We left our schools behind and we left our colleges behind. We left all that stuff behind. And guess what happened? Why? In, in education, a perfect example. And I'm gonna talk more about education in the future post. Here's a perfect example. Prior to integration, I'm talking about the Voting Rights Act of 1965 and the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Before that, when Jim Crow still ruled the land, you have to understand. Back in them days, there was no GED program. That, that was all created by the Great Society and Lyndon Baines Johnson, in 1964. Okay, GED didn't exist till then. At that time, black graduation rates and white graduation rates were practically equal. I mean literally evil. Equal. equal. Granted, we didn't have all the resources that the richer white schools had, but guess what? Our kids were learning. Our kids were graduating. Those who had to drop out, who ended up dropping out or whatever, many of them had went and served in the war. Many of them went on because they had family support. They went on and started working. And trust me, back in them days, a person could go work in a factory forty years, retire, and come back with a pension and all that good stuff, and he could retire in, in peace. Can't do that no more. Can't do that no more. Once we once they decided, okay, we 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 gonna integrate with y'all. Guess what? We left our schools, and guess what happened? You know, so yeah, we went. We ended up going to better schools, but guess what happened to our black teachers and principals? They ended up unemployed. Because no white school was going to teach they was going to allow a black st- a teacher, no matter how qualified he or she was, to be over their white kids. And they were sure not going to have no black principals over their white kids. So what, yeah, we got better schools because of it. But our black teachers and not black principals suffered behind it. They couldn't find no jobs. They ended up unemployed. So that's one way why how integration hurt us. But We got to do better than this. I mean, those of us who have the money to invest in the hood need to, you know, quit going out there asking them for a job, you know, create your own economy. We got to we got to get to that stage where we create our own economy. I'm looking into that right now with some other things that I want to be able to do. There are other things that I'm planning on and I'm working on, and I'll tell you more about it in a future post. But we have to create our own economy. We need to quit going to other people with our hands out begging for jobs. Remember what I said about Chris Rock earlier. When he decided to put his hand in the grindstone, he got more help than he did when he was had his hands begging out. And we've been having our hands out for years. We need to put we need to put our hands down, put our hands to work, put our boots on, and go out there and let's fix our economy. Don't you know what I'm saying? Quit teaching kids, go to school and get a job. I'm going to talk about that in a future post. You know, that and we've been teaching our kids the same lie, but we know what. But the truth of the matter is most of these companies are not hiring blacks. They're not. OK, and for a whole lot of reasons. But anyway, when you control your economy, you can control everything else. When you own businesses within your community. Those who have the power to do so and support those businesses. That's the biggest thing. Don't just go on open up a business, but we need to support these businesses. You know, quit being cheap. Oh, he my brother. He my sister. He can give me a hookup. Damn that quit playing the hookup game. This is not about you. It's about the community. You know, don't look at how much they charge. Look at the job. They do. If they do a good job, hey, it's worth the money. You know what I'm saying? If they do a bang-up job, they, if they do the best job, it should be worth the money. If they are sloppy, then that's a whole other issue. But if they out there busting their ass doing a good job, don't play cheap all of a sudden. Give them, give these our people what they deserve and what they're worth. Okay? Because I guarantee you go to the, to the Asian beauty shop, they, you're going to give them what they asked for, and they may screw your hair up, but you're still going to pay them. You know what I'm saying? Shaniqua needs hers too. Okay? So let's support each other. Because that's going to be, that's the main pillar. Because when you have an economy, when you have an economic base, you can build on that economic base. I remember they were talking about when they opened up a black bank in Atlanta, when Killer Mike and and T.I. and a few other people opened up a bank and people came out of that in droves. We need to do that in every community. Every community. Because when you own your economy, then every other floor becomes easy. You know, we need to think about home ownership. Quit renting, you know what I'm saying? Everybody think, oh, we're just gonna pay rent. You pay rent all the days of your life and never own anything. And those who know about home ownership, we need to teach our people about that. Because I guarantee you, every other community already knows the power of home ownership. Because when you you own a home, you have equity to do other things. When you're renting, you're making your landlord rich. Quit making your landlord rich and become the damn landlord. You know what I'm saying? That's how I see it. And I could talk a whole lot more about that, but with the time I have left, I'm going to go ahead and jump to the next part. The next piece of the puzzle is, of course, the politicians. Because this is another big issue that I have a problem with. Okay? Quit putting people in the damn political office just because they got a black face. That means absolutely nothing in this time and stage. Just because they got the skin, don't mean they can. Remember that, okay? We've been putting people in office that really don't give a damn about us, and we, just because they got a black face, and I can name examples all day long, but I'm not going to go there. But here's what I am seeing: we crying talk about what Donald Trump's plan. Donald Trump don't have a plan for the black community, and neither does Joe Biden. Neither one of these two clowns have a plan, and they don't need to have one. Because we don't have a plan for our own community. Why should they have one? We're looking for Donald Trump to bring a change in the black community. He's not concerned about the black community. He's just riding off the coattails of what Obama did in his eight years in office. I can see right through it. So quit trying to make it like he just accomplished so much for the black folks. He didn't accomplish anything. He don't like black people, folks. Look at his track record. Look at the fruits of his tree. That proves the point. But anyway, we need to quit putting folks in the office just because they got a black face and got black skin. If they're not concerned about lifting up, lifting the black community, if you got a person with a black face and they just doing what the white folks tell them to do, they know better off than they are, than the white folks are. You'd be, you be better off having a straight up racist in your in your, in your office because at least you know where they're coming from. At least you know uh, at least you know their agenda, okay? It's hard enough that we had that, but then you got somebody in there that's just pl- sleeping with the enemy. That makes it a whole lot worse. Dr. Claude Anderson was talking about we need to take our votes, and we got tons of them to play with. And don't invest just in the Democratic Party. Don't invest in the Republican Party. We need to create our own party, and I agree with that. We need to create our own party so we can control the, the who gets our votes and not just give it to somebody by default we have a very we have a very powerful political base if we really knew how to use it you know politicians have just made a living off our votes but we've not benefited from it people have been in office for 30 40 50 60 freaking years our communities are no better off than during than during in segregation but we put these people in office whether by default or otherwise that we need to, that needs to cease to dish with this election study your candidates study your politicians it don't matter whether they're city councilman it don't matter whether they're a mayor a governor a senator a uh a, a representative house of alderman whatever the sheriff whatever study their track record look at what they've done for the communities You know, anybody can say something with a pair of lips. Look at their track record. And then you'll be able to tell who's who in the zoo. But what I I believe, what like what Claude Brother Claude said, we don't need to vote for another Democratic nominee. We don't need to vote for another Republican nominee. We need to take our votes and put them in a block and say, okay, which candidate is going to be the best candidate for our community? Which candidate is going to do the, the most for our community? And whoever can do it, And we have the records to prove it. That's the one our group is going to support. We're not going to continue to support people simply because they have a black face or they talk black. Okay. But like I said, I'm going to talk a lot more about it in my next post. I'm going to continue on with this track and then the other three, but um, you need to check out Dr. Claude Anderson. Just Google him or look at him for him on YouTube It's real deep. And I'm going to look at it again because I'm going to glean, try to get some more jewels from it because it's got a lot to do. But anyway, y'all have a blessed week. Y'all take care of yourselves. Y'all have a great one. Big Mel here, Who is Rug Red. I'm out.